for the church of the living God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. We're continuing uh, our two-part uh, message or two-part series, if you will, uh, upon, about the doctrine of divine ownership. The doctrine of divine ownership. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, the Bible says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Amen. I want to talk to you today on that thought. Glorify God in your body. Let's lift up our voices once again and let's pray. I want us to pray together for uh, our services opening up, for the ministry of the word here today. Pray for the, the giving as God would bless us. And if also you want to continue to give for our appeal for the Bible school uh, accommodation in Fiji, you can do so and you can continue to give for that. So let's lift up our voices. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that, Lord God, we see the light at the end of the tunnel, as it were. We see the finish line. Lord God, as we gradually open up, Lord God, we are so excited and looking forward to being together with our brothers and sisters. But, Lord, we also recognize that this may cause uh, some frustration and, and distress for some. Perhaps, Lord God, that are not able to book. But, Lord God, do I pray that you continue to keep us in your hand, that your strength would be upon your people that you would give us your wisdom and understanding, Lord God, throughout this time as we navigate through these difficult passages. I pray for your blessings, that you would keep us united as one. So bless us, Lord God, I pray, and let this, this virus, once again, we take authority over it in Jesus' name. We command it to begin to disappear and to be eradicated from our community and society at large. In Jesus' name we pray. And that, Lord, the church may be able to go back into in-person, reaching souls, winning the lost. Lord God, for your kingdom. Anoint your servant, your people, as we give for your cause, for your purpose. Anoint your servant to speak your word today as we open our ears, spiritual ears, and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Yes. Last week, I began by talking about how from the moment that we begin to develop a sense of transcendence or the ability to assess oneself, a self-concept, that even at a young age, there is this innate desire for autonomy and independence. We desire freedom and control of our lives. Even little children, uh, the first two words, as I said, that the children learn is, is no and mine. Now, some of you parents with little children, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, even at such a tender age, there is this uh, instinctive uh, desire to be independent, to be free of, of others. Uh, as we grow up, as, as we mature, we long for the freedom of, having, of, of not needing to go to school, 
freedom from the obligation of school only to discover the obligation of work is far, uh, far worse. We, we seek for independence only to discover our reliance ultimately on someone else or other people. We dream of a life free from any responsibility, but we are quickly reminded of the necessity of food, shelter, and work. And this gives us a different perspective to freedom. And although obligation and bondage are not the same things, yet the effect can often feel the same. There is... Brothers and sisters, no greater bondage, however, than the bondage of sin. Amen. Uh, Romans chapter 6 and verse number 16, the Bible says, Don't you realize that you become the slave of what you, whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God which leads to righteous living or righteousness. Uh, we were slaves to sin. In fact, Jesus tells us in John chapter 8 and verse 34, he said, Truly, truly, I say unto you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Amen. That, that even though we, we desire to be free, we long to have the sense of autonomy, Yet the Bible says because we commit sin, we are therefore the slave of sin. Amen. Uh, Jesus further goes on to say in verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. Because of sin, we were bound in the pawn shop of hell. Amen. And that's why the Bible tells us that, that we have been redeemed by the blood. And the word redeem means to buy back that which was lost or that which was given over. A little bit like exactly what a person does when they sell something to the pawn shop, and they've got a 60 days by which to have the right to purchase it or to redeem it back into full ownership. Amen. That's exactly what happens in the condition of humanity. That when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, they were sold or they were taken and they were lost into the pawn shop of hell but when God came into this world, he redeemed us by buying us back, by paying the price of his blood. Amen. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse number 18, it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, uh, received by tradition from your fathers, or, or you are not redeemed by your, your doings and your works and your habits and culture and routine. But it says in verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Amen. We were locked up 
bound up in the pawn shop of hell, and then through the blood and the precious blood of Jesus, we were redeemed, we were bought back, and so that we can find freedom once again in our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Can I talk to somebody uh, that's my, that might be listening to this right now? I want you to know, uh, amen, that, that as much as you try to find freedom uh, by, by experiencing the things of this world, uh, let me remind you that you will always be bound up in sin and a slave to sin and the devil. But you have been freed. You can find freedom by virtue of the shed blood of Jesus upon the cross of Calvary and he can buy you back to restore you to your complete freedom in Christ. Amen. I wish somebody would hear what I'm saying, that if you want to experience that same freedom, all you've got to do is accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and repent of your sins and be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to understand you will experience a freedom that sin doesn't have to have this bondage or rulership or a burden over your life but you can be free from the strength of this sin and you can live and walk in the victory that Jesus has purchased for us oh bless the name of the Lord that's what his word tells us it says in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28, he says, Take heed therefore. He says, Watch yourselves unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased. There it is. He has purchased with his own blood. Praise God. He bought us. He purchased us. By his death, that means now, according to the Bible, because he bought us with his own life, with his own blood, that means now he has ownership over our lives. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Uh, that's what I preached about last week. Let me remind you, can I bring to your memory once again that he owns everything. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everything that is therein belongs to him. Amen. We might be proud of what we've achieved and how much we've earned and what we've got, our house, our clothes, our car, whatever it is. But let me remind you, he owns it all. He's the one that gave us the strength, the mind to study, the strength to go to work, the opportunity for us to earn, the ability for us to, to be able to pick ourselves up. He owns it all. And I've come to preach to somebody. I've come to preach to this church to give you a paradigm shift. Oh, bless the Lord, to give you a mind, a concept transformation to begin to recognize he is the owner. He's the one that owns us. And here it is, despite all of our natural instincts to want to gain autonomy for ourselves 
I want to be in control. I want to be in charge of my life. I want to be the one that's ruling. Can I tell you, no matter how much that instinct will drive you, he still, the Bible says that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. You've been purchased by his blood. There's somebody that owns even this body. Know you not, your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. It's not yours. Amen. So, Pastor, what are you talking about? I, I, I can do whatever I want to do with my body. I, I can wake up whenever I want to wake up. I can go wherever I want to go. I can eat whatever I want. I, what, what do you mean he owns it all? I, I'm not saying that he controls you. I'm saying that he is the rightful owner of, of everything in our lives, including our bodies. It doesn't mean that he'll control us just because he owns us. He gives to us the keys of the car, but he owns the car. Amen. He said, you, you are free to do whatever you want to do. You can take that car and you can crash it into a tree. You can even sell it, even though we, we have no right to sell it. We still have the, the controls of the car, if you will, but he owns it. That's the same with our bodies. He says, he gives to us this understanding, this incredible revelation from the word of God that Paul is trying to reveal. He says that your body is a temple that, that where the Holy Spirit dwells in. Amen. And so, again, please, this is one of those almost abstract concepts that sometimes is difficult to understand. But, but let me try to make it as plain as I can. When I say that he has ownership over our lives, it doesn't mean that we no longer have free will. We can still do what we want to do, like I said. But, but I want you to understand, and here, here's this, this, this concept, and I know, uh, again, as I talked about, the title of this message is The Doctrine of Divine Ownership. Uh, and, and, and I know most Christians will know it in their head that we know this doctrine. That yes, we know that God, God owns everything, but, but it's got to be more than head knowledge. It's got to go from the cerebral to the practical. It's got to be applied in our daily life, in our daily living, that, that we have this understanding and that we walk in the fact that God owns it all. That, that he, we don't have the right, because he owns it all, uh, we don't have the right to squander, to waste and destroy our time, our talent, our treasure, and also our temple. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. Say amen, somebody. If you're out there in cyberspace, type amen. We don't have the right. It's not ours. So we can't do whatever we want to do. We've got to take instruction from the owner. And the owner has given us a prescription. He's given us an instruction of how to deal with our time, our talent, our treasure, and our temple. We've got to deal with it in the way that he has instructed us, in the way that he has commanded us. We don't have the right, but hear me. Listen to me. When you do what the owner says to do, when you follow the instructions and the manual that comes in the instruction book and the manual that gives to us the directions of our lives when we follow that I promise you it's a life of blessing and a life of peace and a life of joy that is unspeakable oh I'm not a salesman trying to sell something to you that, that's what I heard some celebrity the other day some celebrity is speaking and, and a former Christian and said to some song they, they wrote he 
He said, I'm not a preacher selling like a salesman. Preachers are not sell. We're not trying to sell to you anything. We're trying to preach to you the unadulterated word of God that declares that when you follow him, even though you might not have material abundance, even though your circumstances might be tough, even though you got to walk through the valley, oh, but when you stick with the owner's direction, when you follow his instruction, I'm telling you, there is in the promise of God his strength, his blessing, a peace. Oh, hallelujah, a peace that surpasses all understanding, a joy that is unspeakable. There's nothing like it. There's nothing that can compare to it. No matter how hard life gets, when you stick with the owner, oh, hallelujah, when you stick with the owner, Amen. When you recognize and follow his instructions, there is life and life more abundantly. That's come from the words from the mouth of the Messiah who was about to be crucified, suffer the worst kind of death. Amen. This is a, a, a mindset that, that we've, got to, we've got to start to recognize and absorb. Why, why is this so important? Why, 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 you, why am I preaching this to you today? It's because when you recognize this, there are incredible benefits associated with this understanding. Because it's liberating to know that since God owns it all, including my life, then the owner is responsible for ensuring that I have everything that I need to succeed. Amen. If you were a business owner and you employ somebody to do a job, it's the business owner's responsibility to ensure that you provide that employee with the tools, the training, and the opportunity to do the job. Amen. I'm not going to, as a business owner, that's, that's what you've got to do is employ that person to do what you called him to do, but you've got to provide him with all the necessary means by which to accomplish that job. Can I tell you, since God owns our lives, he'll give us everything that we need to be able to live successfully for him. So that if you don't have what you think you need... You're saying, well, look, look at my life. It hasn't turned out the way that I want, and, and I don't know if I can live for God because uh, I've got this, that, or the other, and, and, and I don't know if I can, I can do that for the Lord, and I don't know if I can step in and do what he's called me to do because I don't have this, and I don't have that. Can I tell you, God knows you, what you need. He knows that you, if you don't need something, if you don't have it, it's because God knows that you don't need that thing. Amen. Some, some of you might lose some folks in your walk with God, in your journey, in your spiritual destiny as you walk this road that God has ordained for you. You're going to lose some opportunities. You're going to lose some people in your lives. You're going to lose some things in your life. But can I tell you, God knows you don't need those things in order for you to accomplish everything that God has called you to do. Amen. If you don't have very much, if you don't have a lot in your life, it's because God knows you don't need that. You've got everything that you need. 
Oh, bless the Lord. I, I don't have enough money. I, I don't even, I don't have two, two one dollar coins to rub together. I don't have any talent. I don't have much. Can I tell you, whatever it is, you give it into the hands of God, however much or however little. God knows that's all you need to accomplish what he has called you to do. Praise God. Remember the story of Elisha and the widow woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. She'd lost her husband already in death. Now she was about to lose her two sons to indentured slavery because of the debt that they had incurred. And she comes up to the man of God and tells her the situation. He says to her, he asks her, well, what do you have? And her first response is so typical of us human beings. The first thing she says, I don't have anything. I've got nothing, she says. In verse number three, in verse number two, I don't have anything except this pot of oil. Amen. There wasn't very much at all. So that's all I got left. And so the man of God tells her if he's going to see, if she's going to see a miracle, if she's going to see something supernatural and powerful, he said to her in verse number three, go and borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Don't get a few. Get as many as you can. Get as many, get, get those big basins, get those uh, massive urns, uh, get a little Tupperware. If you go whatever you can, whatever vessel you can find, he, says, he said, don't get a few, get as many as you can. And so I can just imagine her little house with her two sons filled. The house was filled. Every space on the floor was occupied with some kind of vessel, even some on top of the other. He said, go and collect. So when she did that, you know what she did? The Bible says in verse number five that she she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons they were bringing the vessels to her and she kept pouring they kept bringing them in and when vessels were full she said bring me another vessel and the son said there's nothing left the whole village is empty of every vessel she started pouring in that first vessel and pouring and pouring she thought oh surely this is going to run out this is going to be finished but she eventually filled up the entire vessel vessel from that one little cruise one little pot of oil and then she brought another and another until the entire room was filled with vessels that were full of oil it never ran out it never ran dry no matter how small that she had when she was willing in faith to pour it out God would always multiply and pour out the supernatural listen to me God can do something in your life he cannot perform the miraculous he cannot perform the supernatural unless you are willing to pour out and to give whatever little that you have. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I preached the last week about the five loaves and two fish. It wasn't very much, but when you're willing to give it into the hands of Jesus, if you're willing to pour it out, you might not have much, but remember who owns it all. He's the owner of everything, and you've got everything that you need to accomplish what God has called you to do. You might have only one talent. All you might have is the ability to walk and put flyers into the house of somebody I'm telling you God will use that he's the owner of your life he knows what you need and he'll use it oh he'll use it to his glory that's the benefit 
of somebody else being the owner. That, that he's, he's responsible for ensuring that, that, that we are equipped, that we are provided for. Amen. Could quit saying, I'll, I'll do it once I got everything that I need. Once I have everything in place, then I'll live for God. Then I'll serve him. Then I'll give. Once I've got you know, extra money, then I'll give to God. No, whatever it is that you have, if you are willing to surrender it to God in faith, God, he can't use this. He can't bless us. He will always bless an open hand. Amen. He will always bless what, what you're willing to give, even if it's, if it's your body, if it's your mind. Say, God, I'm going to use this body to worship you, to give you glory, uh, to go out and share the gospel with somebody. I know I'm tired. I know I need a little extra sleep, but I'm willing to wake up. I'm willing to get up and drive across town. Now the lockdown's about to be over. We can drive across town. We can go. I'm willing to go and give a Bible study. I know of somebody across town, many kilometers away from this church and they sent me a picture and it was a picture of our flyer our church flyer and he said look what I found in my mailbox somebody I don't even know who it is but somebody from this church is putting out flyers in people's homes right the other side of this city and, and is giving them out whatever you can to do do it and pour it out he's the owner it's up to him what he does with it. Our responsibility is to simply be stewards. Amen. Praise God. It's to take care of what God has given us. The Bible says that to glorify God in your body because he owns this body. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. And God will make sure that whatever situation you're in, it is more than enough. If he leads you through the valley, if he leads you through the wilderness, through the storm, if he leads you through a pandemic, glorify God in your body. Because he'll make sure that you've got everything that you need. Joseph, Joseph, it may look like that God's abandoned you. It may look like that God's turned his back on you because it seems like he's led you down the garden path. He's led you to Potiphar, to prison. Oh, Joseph, but don't fret because wherever he leads you, he's going to feed you. Wherever God guides, he provides. You might not know it now, Joseph, but the path to the palace is through Potiphar and through prison. Can I talk to somebody right now that whatever path he's led you in, don't fret, don't get upset, don't walk away from him, don't get all twisted and bent out of shape thinking that he's abandoned you. He hasn't lost your address. There's nothing wrong with his GPS. It's working perfectly. It never fails, but trust him that if you find yourself in a, in a prison, in a part of her home, that somehow it's the, the path, it's the road to the dream of the palace. He's got you right where he wants you. And if he's led you there, lift up your hands. Glorify God in your body. Glorify him with what you have. And let God guide you 
Amen. So here's the other point, and I've got to come to a close, is that he is responsible. The owner is responsible, but we are also responsible for our part. We are stewards. We're not free to do nothing. We are not absolved from any involvement, even though he's the owner. We are to put our best foot forward to glorify God in our bodies as stewards, as managers uh, over our time. It's not, the time is not, it's not ours, it's his. And we don't know how long we have on this earth. We might be on borrowed time. And that's why the Bible says to redeem the time because we've been redeemed. Redeem the time by putting value in the time that we have. The talent that you have. Don't, don't bury your talent. If God's given you a talent, don't, don't bury it because somebody rubbed you the wrong way. Because somebody got upset. Well, whatever talent, use it for the glory of God. Whatever opportunity God gives to you. Because we're, guess what? The talent is not yours. He owns it. That he has placed it in your body. For you to use to glorify him. And also, look after the temple. To give our utmost diligence to look after the things that God has given to us. Treat it like he's the owner. Don't treat it like, like people treat rental cars. You know, ever, ever have anybody rent a car and... You're kind of not as careful with it because it's not your car. You don't clean it. Uh, people treat rental cars atrociously. You, you can't treat these things that God has given to us, your life, your time, talent, treasure, your temple, like, oh, it's just a rental. But you got to treat it like the king has placed in your hands the royal crown jewels of the king to treat it with the utmost care and and diligence and and consciousness and mindfulness or, or perhaps treat it like somebody's given you a you're a courier and they've given you somebody's vital organs to transport to somebody that's waiting on a transplant that will save their life Used to, I used to work, one of my first jobs was working in a pathology many, many years ago. First time I saw in an esky, open up an esky, and there was this uh, vital organ of a kidney. And they, they took such care. They held it with both hands, that esky, and they had somebody else driving, and it was sealed. It was taken care of. You've got to show the same kind of care and diligence with what God has given you with your talent, with your treasure. I like what somebody said. They said, money can buy medicine, but not health. Money can buy a house, but not a home. Money can buy companionship, but not friends. Money can buy food, but not an appetite. Money can buy a bed, but not sleep. Money can buy a crucifix, but not a savior. 
Money can buy the good life, but not eternal life. That's why God, Jesus says, you cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. Mammon is another word for money, but the way he puts it, it's as if it was money personified into some kind of deity. You cannot serve both. He owns it all. Praise God. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Paul was addressing an issue of sexual immorality which was rife in the culture of the Corinthians which has bled through into the church of Corinth. And, and there was sexual immorality. And, and he says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? He says, who is in you whom you have of God that you are not your own? He says in verse, in verse number, number 12, all things are lawful to me in that same chapter, he says, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. He says, food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality. It's not, the body is not for you to do whatever feels good to you, but for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. Your body is for the Lord. I think, I think couples can learn from, from this text. I think a lot of times when married couples get into trouble, it's often because of this selfishness. But when you recognize that you're not your own, that, that you don't own your body in a sense. He talks about husbands and wives, that, that your body belongs to the other. Because you become one flesh. The Bible also tells us that our bodies belong to God. And so I know life can be tough sometimes, but, but listen to me. You've got to do what the owner of this body says. That's why suicide is, is, is wrong. Homicide is wrong. Killing some, taking somebody else's life. You have no right to take somebody else's life because that's not yours. It's just the same way you don't have a, lot, a right to take your own life because it's not yours. Say, so, well, I'm just going to go away from God. Well, you don't own your body. When you, can, when you can understand, get this revelation, and when you can saturate it in your spirit, you're going to be careful where you take this body. You're going to be careful with what you expose your eyes to. You're going to be careful with what comes out of this body through your mouth. You're going to be careful with what you listen to. This is somebody else's body that you've got to take care of. It's his. And when you come to understand that, you're going to be careful what, what you expose this body to the things of this world. Remember, it's his temple. You've got to take care of it like it's the temple of God. Hallelujah. And when you can understand this, even when life gets hard, even when marriage gets hard, you don't have a right to remove your body from where God has called it to be. You got to stay in. It's his. And when you do that, I promise you, he will help you. He will empower you. Musicians, if you'd like to come. Don't trash this body. If you were a landlord of a house that you're renting out, you would hate for your home that you own to be trashed 
by somebody that's renting it. And they may not care for you there, that house because they're only renting. And they don't really own it. They don't have a long-term investment in it. And so the same with this body. You can't trash it by indulging in sin and doing that which you don't like. I read of a story of a, a slave in ancient times who was on the auction block of a slave market. And as the auction began and people started placing bids on the slave, the slave began to utter those words, I will not work. I will not work. Slowly the bids increased. And likewise, his volume, the slave's volume began to increase. And again, he began to, at this stage, began to shout, saying, I will not work. I will not work, he said. However, there was one man who continued to bid. And ultimately, he paid a very good price for the slave who had already made a declaration that he wasn't going to work. So the winning bidder took the man away with him and they headed out uh, to his property. And as they neared the property, the slave saw a beautiful cottage beside a river. And he wondered what it must be like to be free to live in such a beautiful place. And then he realized that they were pulling up right near to that cottage. And he asked the, the slave master who had just bought him, he asked about who lived there. And the owner said, this is your new home. Come in. Take a look around. He then reiterated that he had said back at the markets, uh, I'm still not going to work for you. To his surprise, his owner turned around with a smile on his face and said, I know. You don't have to work for me or anyone else anymore. I bought you to set you free. The slave didn't know what to say. He was shocked at first, but then as he realized just what this man had given him, his freedom, he just purchased and given him his freedom. When he realizes, he fell to his knees in front of this man and said, Master, thank you. I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. Hallelujah. That's exactly what Jesus does for us. He purchased us. He redeemed us. But he says, you're free to go. You don't have to follow me. You're, you, even though Paul said, I, I'm a slave. I'm a servant to the Lord, a slave of the Lord. But it's a voluntary slaver, as it were, a voluntary servanthood that, that Paul was, was reiterating, was telling us that even though he owns us, he does not make us. He doesn't force us. But he calls us into relationship to follow him. Oh, hallelujah. I would to the Lord today. I would to God that we would come to this realization, this paradigm shift, if you will, that he is the owner of it all and that I'm going to follow him. I'm going to align myself, plead my allegiance, and recognize his divine sovereignty over my life. Wherever you are, why don't you lift your voices right now?
Let's acknowledge this, this fact, this truth. Let's, let's celebrate the truth that God's ownership over our lives. But we also want to willingly make ourselves his servant. And say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you. Whatever it is, whatever life brings to me, whatever the cards may be dealt with in my life, I'm going to hold to you. I'm going to serve you with my body, with everything that is in my life. I'm going to serve it for your glory. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come before you, Lord, we thank you, first of all, the Lord, you purchased us, that you paid the price. But Lord God, not only did you pay the price, but you become our reward. Not only are we set free, but we find victory in you. And so in the name of Jesus, we're asking you right now, as we plead our hearts and our lives once again in recognition of what you've done for us. Lord God, help us to live our lives knowing that you are our owner, knowing that you own everything. Let us not become so enamored and consumed by material things. Let us not become so consumed as if we own everything, our, our position, our roles, the opportunities, what other people think about us. Lord, let those things be pushed aside knowing that you are the owner of our lives, knowing that we have everything that we need for us to accomplish what you have called us to do. So let us walk in that victory to do all that we can to serve you, to live generously, to give, to be, to be kind, to be gracious, to be deferring, to love our brothers and sisters, to give of ourselves in service of our Master and Lord. So have your way even now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This altar is open. I wonder if you at home could make a little altar and begin to pray. Just as we sing this song, I want you to take every moment of this time to give your heart and your life to the Lord once again. If you need the Holy Ghost, He can fill you. If you want to repent of your sins, He can. If you need healing in your body, I believe the healer is right there. At the mention of His name, He can heal you. He owns your body. He can heal it. Whatever your need is, lift up your voice in Jesus' name. Shepherd. He goes before.